Welcome to Crime and Time on the Rocks. So we've had some happenings. We've had some happenings. Um, we live in an area of Northern California that has been kind of on fire. Pretty much completely on fire. Um, the area where we personally live is thankfully safe. Husband and I were, and child one and child two were evacuated for one night. But we are, knock on wood, safe. But so many of our friends and relatives have been just... They've lost houses. Everything. Like, lost everything, pretty much. Houses, businesses. So, we're talking about the, everything. the hashtag campfire. Hashtag campfire. Um, we, here at Crime and Time on the Rocks, have never asked you for money. The, there may come a time when we actually have to do that. But at the moment, we've never asked you for money. But we're like, going we to We love today. providing you our entertainment for free. This is fun for us. We enjoy it. We enjoy drinking. We enjoy hanging out and talking um, about our passions. But we are asking you for money today, but not for us. No. we. Um, there's a couple of really good funds that are helping a lot of people. Um, so I actually work at Chico State, which is the major university closest to the campfire. And it's already been confirmed via a survey that at least 500 people have either whether their student staff or faculty have been directly impacted, meaning they lost their home or their home was so damaged they can't return to it. Yeah. So, um, you know, if you're feeling inclined, if you want to help people out, don't go to the Red Cross. Don't go to some of these other funds. that Which are amazing funds, but it takes months and months and months for the people to get the help. Right. If you want to directly impact people today, um, I'm, I'm recommending Wildcats Rise. If you just Google Wildcats Rise on Facebook, you'll get to the um, fire recovery fund for those 500 people that have been directly impacted. Yeah. And I sadly could not find the exact name of the one that I want to recommend, but it's um, started by Gary Berghoff. Yeah, from MASH fame. From MASH fame. He lived in Paradise, which was the community that was the most hardest hit. Um, he has a GoFundMe that he said will go straight to the um, victims, to the people who need the money, to the people who are literally camping out in, I'm going to tear up, camping out in the Walmart parking lot. That's where they're living right now because Chico and Orville area do not have enough housing for all of the people that were left homeless. All the hotels are full. All the hotels like, are full. All the There's been 60 houses sold in the last three days. That's insane. Yeah. There's that one. And then also there's got to be some sort of police um, or first responder fund. Every single Paradise police officer lost their home. I know. I work for a police department. Um, as I said, I work at Chico State. So obviously I work at the Chico State Police Department. We had... Five people that I know of lose their home. And, you know, like, it's devastating for a small department to have that many people impacted. Yes. And I know, like, CHP, as you mentioned, Paradise Police Department, Butte County Sheriff's Office, like, all these first responders, not to mention all the CAL FIRE and yeah. Paradise Fire Department, all these other fire departments. And these guys have nothing, and they're still out there working. They're out there, and they want to be out there. Yeah. I have a personal friend who lost everything and she works at a small airport in the area her and her daughter's home completely decimated and she has turned her airport which was already the main airport for the flight support for cal fire it always has been and it is now not only the airport for the for the cal fire but the home for a shelter for animals there's another worthy charity like over 700 animals are being sheltered there right yeah now. yeah Child number one's best friend um, lost her home because, should I tell the story and why? Yeah. Um, the people next door didn't want to leave, and so the firefighters had to push all the shrubbery onto their yard, and that's why their house burnt up. Because, like, the first 36 hours was just focused on rescue. It wasn't even focused yeah. on saving property. It was just rescuing people and still at this point there's over 49 people that are confirmed dead right over 49 there's like over 200 missing um one of my friends like a personal friend of mine was um, working that day at feather river hospital as a nurse and mm -hmm. was one of the last people to evacuate uh, i haven't talked to her yet but i talked to her husband and basically her car burnt up and it was hosed down by firefighters she was able to make it a little bit further down the road and it 
quit on her. So she was like luckily able to get a ride from somebody and oh made it safely. Goodness. I can't even imagine. I have a teacher friend who was working up there and she personally shuttled children home in her car. And her husband is a volunteer fire department fireman here in the town where we live. And she said he left his, he's also a teacher because our volunteer fire department is volunteer. volunteer yeah. Um, so he left his classroom, came home, put on his fire gear, had no idea where his wife was and went back up and went to work and didn't see her for 72 hours It's like because a, he was still working. A couple of my coworkers got off work at six in the morning in Chico, drove home to Paradise, and then before they were even able to fall asleep, uh, ended up having to evacuate their families, which they were able to do, and then they drove back up the hill mm -hmm. to help others. Oh my gosh. We, like I said, we were evacuated Thursday night and then we got a call that our rental house was evacuated. And that was probably the most scary 12 hours in my entire life to go to bed knowing or thinking that you have, you know, property that's going to sustain you through your retirement and through the rest of your life, this investment that you made and waking up and not knowing if it's still there. And thank God, thank God, thank God, thank God, we woke up and both of our homes were still standing, but for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people that prayer just wasn't answered. And so we're not asking, we don't like to ask for money. We don't like to beg for money, but if you want to give anything, if you like us, if you enjoy our podcast, please consider giving to the campfire. Um, relief fund of some sort of your choice. Anyone would be greatly, greatly appreciated. Yeah. So we just wanted to say thank you for listening and hope that if you're wanting to help that we can guide you in the right direction. Yes. So now let's shake off the sad and no talk dower about hour. glad. Let's not do dower hour. <laughs> no dower hour. Shake so, off the sad, talk about the glad. Let's talk about what we're drinking. What are we drinking? We have some tall boys. Some tall boys. And this is 805 Blonde, and it's made by Firestone Walker. Is that right? This yes. is like your okay. husband's favorite this beer, This is right? husband's favorite beer. Firestone Walker is a big sponsor of Fast House Racing. And up until his recent crash... Husband was a motocross enthusiast. He rode motocross when he was a young boy and young boy, high school, 20s, blah, blah, blah. And then he was very excited when he turned 50 that he could ride in the senior class. No, and he soon, he soon graduated to super senior. Now he's super senior plus. But in his recent crash in August, he is now officially retired he uh, says he's going to one more race. He says he's going to one more race, and that'll Which be over my dead body. But that's a whole nother discussion. I feel like <laughs> I feel like number two is right that one more race means like a lot of more races. So okay, but the when he we... rode bulls, oh my god, my husband is a daredevil. When he rode bulls and and quote unquote crashed on the bulls, um, yeah, he went to one more, and it was devastating to me because he got hung up and got his feet stepped on. And this was after I had nursed him back to health with a hole in his colon the size of a silver dollar. And didn't he like rupture his spleen? No, he didn't rupture spleen. He just he just had the hole in his colon, but they didn't find it for five days, so he had peritonitis. Ew. It was bad. It was really bad. Nearly died. And then of course, you know, five broken ribs, broken collarbone, punctured lung. Yeah, yeah. Nearly yeah. died again. Oh, and I like to mention because <laughs> this is like really the only appropriate time to mention it, but several weeks after husband had his motorcycle crash we were at a barbecue and not oh even not even thinking about it because he seemed so fine because I, he's an idiot i convinced him to play badminton with me for a prolonged <laughs> amount of time he was my partner and then i came running over what are you doing and i'm like oh yeah i have broken ribs and i was like oh i forgot he had broken ribs so anyway 805 Awesome brewery, awesome beer, and I love, love, love this beer. It's a blonde ale. I'm going to crack it open. We're going to pop them open, and we're going to drink our tall boys. Hey, child two, I love you. I'm not moving. But can you not be sitting on my shins Actually, and ankles? it is a crucial part of life. Actually, I'm drinking this beer, and it's pretty good. Okay, I want to drink the beer. Child number two, you get off. You can drink the beer. Love you. Get off. You're mean. I am. Everybody hear that? All of America hear that? I mean. Okay, bye. Because I do not want to be sat upon like a chair. Okay, tell me what you're going to tell me about blondes. So I went literal, as sometimes I like to do. Uh-huh. And I Googled like 805 blonde murder. 
Oh, there's a murder that has 805 and blonde. Yes. So I'm going to talk about the murder of Elise Poller. So. Was she an 805 year old blonde? She was an 805 year old blonde. (laughs) (laughs) No. So she actually, I'll get into each of those. Okay, don't sit on me. Can I sit on you? No, you can get a chair and sit next to me. Go away. Where's your, where's your like little office chair? Yeah. It's over there by the table. Go with the office chair and come sit here. Roll over here. And we'll edit out the noise. Okay. Rules. Chair rules. Get as close as you want now because you're not going to be rolling around once you get up. Yeah. You're right here. This is it. No. Too bad. I'm going (laughs) to roll around wherever I want to roll And we're going to lose all of our listeners. Okay. By the way, kids are out of school because of the campfire. Yes. We're not purposely keeping her home and making her delinquent. She's just delinquent all by herself. (laughs) (laughs) Or I guess truant would be the word. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to talk about the murder of Elise Poller. Okay. I want to get my phone. Pause. Pause. Take 13. Okay. What's your name, Poller? Elise Poller. So in 1995, Elise Poller was 15 years old. She was active in sports. Who has a name of Elise at 15? I don't know. That just... Well, you have to give... like an 85-year-old. You have to give someone a name... When they're little, it but, stays with them the whole time. <laughs> but doesn't Elise Poller sound like an 85-year-old name? No, I like Elise. Okay. Like the Cure song, letter, what, what's it called? I don't know. There's a Cure song okay. that has the name Elise in it. Anyway, she was <laughs> active in sports, theater. She was a member of her church's choir. She was outgoing. She wanted to be an actress. But even though she had all these things going for her, she wasn't perfect. She had a history of sneaking out to meet boys. and Who she didn't? Yeah, but she's 15, so it's pretty young. She was also known to experiment with alcohol and marijuana. I won't talk about the first time that I snuck out. I mean, I didn't do alcohol and marijuana when I snuck out when I was 15. I did the alcohol part. I was into sports, so. Yeah. Well, I only snuck out with this one particular friend when I went to her house. Other than that, I was pretty good. But, you know, grandparents just gave... Grandparents was the house that everybody wanted to come to because we would go there and they would just give us alcohol. Did you have to go to rehab? No. So Elise was had previously been sent to Mariposa Community by fifteen. Re- yeah, at fifteen, Holy she was goodness sent to Mariposa Community Recovery Center. Um, while she was there, she met. That's a- bad because a lot of people didn't go to rehab in eighty five. No, it was not a thing. Ninety five. Ninety five. Yeah. Oh, it was more of a thing. Not as much though for fifteen yeah. year olds. No. Yeah. Um, while she was there, she met another patient named Jacob Delishment. Elise and her family lived in Arroyo Grande, California, which is in San Luis Obispo County, which is area code 805. 805! Yeah. And she was blonde, so uh-huh. which I'll mention again Fits later. perfectly. Yeah. And in 1995, Arroyo Grande had just under 15,000 residents. Okay. Uh, it... Is also, fun fact, the birthplace of Zach... <laughs> Not Zach Baggins. No, Zach Efron. Okay. And Lou Ferrigno. <laughs> oh, wow! We just saw him on a television show last night. And we told the girls that's the Hulk. Lou Ferrigno. Oh, Remember yeah. the Hulk? Was that on Chuck? I think that was on Chuck. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was on Chuck. So while 1995 Arroyo Grande seemed to be a picturesque town, it turns out that crime was somewhat high for a town that size. In 1995, there were 100 violent crimes reported, which as someone that does crime statistics, I can tell you that is a lot for 15, like 15,000 people Uh town. Um, There were numerous gang related crimes, including shootings and stabbings. Oh my. But if you think about the mid nineties, that's like kind of when the gang thing was really like even high school kids that weren't even like in the gang culture were in a gang. gang, Yes. I remember being in a teeny, 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 tiny little town, even smaller than the town I grew up in. And we were at the fairgrounds and this kid, it was some kid's birthday party and he got a puppy and there was the big like such and such gangs coming get out and it was really scary like we mm-hmm. we really felt like we needed to scatter because this gang from this other teeny tiny little town was coming and i remember my friend just calling around going where's my dog where's my dog <laughs> so sad did the gang actually come i don't know i got out of there like a smart person would. yeah Poor doggy. he was found i'm sure i don't know so on july 2nd 1995 elise snuck out of her home her plan was to meet some friends 
the friends included 17-year-old Jacob Delishmit. Okay, so she's 15 and hanging out with 17-year-olds. Yeah, the, and this was the boy she met in rehab. Oh. A 16-year-old Joseph Fiorella and 18-year-old Royce Casey. 18. Yeah. So there's an 18-year-old with them. Yes. Oh, my. So Elise had no way to know that the three guys had previously already hatched a plot to murder Elise. Why? Why? What is the purpose? Their purpose was an attempt to improve their fortunes in their death metal band. They were into Satanism, and they thought that... (sighs) Satanic panic. Yeah. No, this is after Satanic panic. It is. So why are they not smarter? Well, we'll get into that. Okay, but death metal was not about actually killing people. Well, I mean, they wanted to be better guitar players. How That's else would exactly you do that? I, to become a better guitar player, you absolutely need to garrote someone with a guitar string. That the, the energy is transferred through the string. Oh my God, what idiots. Basically idiots, yeah. Idiot. So Elise had no way at the time to know that these guys had Poor already decided baby. to murder her. Oh. Um, they had become involved in Satanism and they had chosen Elise to be their victim because they needed a virgin to sacrifice. How'd they know she was? They didn't know for sure, but they supposed. Oh my goodness. So they led Elise into a eucalyptus grove. Remember I was talking about eucalyptus, eucalyptus. earlier? Yeah. That's still going. We have eucalyptus oil going to combat the smoke. Yes. Uh, a belt was looped around her neck to keep her quiet and under control, and the boys took turns stabbing her. We are sending child two away because this is a very highly unpleasant topic that we do not want her to hear. So she's leaving now. This is an adult podcast for adult people. Take your candy. Take your candy. Adios, muchachos. Yep. Hey, while you're up there, clean. She's going in your room. Of course she's going in my room to eat food in my bed. Why wouldn't she? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Welcome Um, back to adult land, folks. So the three young men have become involved in Satanism, and they they had chosen Elise to be their victim because they needed a virgin to sacrifice. The boys led Elise into a eucalyptus grove, Grove. Grobe. Grobe. That's not a thing. just grove? That's not a thing. Yeah. <sighs> Poor baby. A belt was looped around her neck to keep her quiet and under control. The boys took turns stabbing Elise, and she, s- she suffered 12 stab wounds. I don't understand how you... I don't understand. I know. It's This is, like, just the saddest... After the attack, the boys dragged Elise further into the eucalyptus grove and left her there. So is she alive? Uh, well, they it's presumed that she was dead, but they don't know for sure. Is this a girl who digs her way out? No. Oh, no. So... They, they just left her there. Sad. So Elise's cause of death would later be determined to be the multiple stab wounds. She yeah. may have also been tortured. There was also signs of strangulation. Well, with the belt around her neck. Mm-hmm. And the official cause of death was blood loss due to the stab wounds. The stab wounds were determined to be too shallow to do any harm to the organs. Oh, so just torturous, mean, painful, horrid. Yeah, she bled out. Ugh. Elisa's body was not found for eight months after the murder. Oh my gosh. And that was only after one of the murders came forward to police. So Royce Casey, the 18-year-old, had a falling out with the other two, and he approached law enforcement. He admitted to having helped kill Elise, and then he led her. He led authorities to her corpse. Eight months after the fact. Eight months after the fact. I'm Casey, rolling my eyes. I know. Casey told police that the three wanted to sacrifice Elise because she was blonde, blue-eyed, and she was reportedly a virgin. They believed that these characteristics would make her murder the quote-unquote ultimate sin against God. Oh my goodness. And this would earn the three a ticket to hell. See, this whole like friggin' why is a blonde-haired, blue-eyed virgin any better than anybody else? Why is she their ticket to this ultimate sin against God? I don't know, but I'm glad I'm not blonde. Well, you're Mine not, comes from a bottle. You're not blue-eyed, so... I'm not blue-eyed. I have green eyes. Um, well, the, the hair. I have no idea what my color of my hair is. I really, honestly, have not. I've, <laughs> I've been dying it since I turned about 20, and so I have no clue what it is. When I was 20, at the time of the dying, it was blonde. At one point, it yeah, was blonde. <laughs> but I'm sure that's not what it is now. But that's horrid. Just, just the whole... 
fact that our society has made it to the point that they think that is the ultimate sin against God to kill the blonde, blue-eyed virgin. Well, yeah, not only that, but it's like, I'm trying to put, because they're a little bit younger than I was at this point, yeah, but okay. not that drastically. And I'm like trying to think back to people that I knew that were kind of weird and like that talked about weird things. And like, I don't recall any of them saying they were ever going to sacrifice a human being. No. The closest I ever got to the satanic panic was in junior high. We were on a church scavenger hunt. We had to find a black cat. Okay, that's really not the same thing. I know, not at all. Well, I take that back. I was also told my junior year that I was probably going to hell because I was a cheerleader by the youth minister because I wore short skirts. Oh, did I mention he was later convicted of um, child porn? and You and didn't molested? have to. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> that part didn't have to be mentioned. Kind of implied. Yeah. <laughs> so the these three boys believe that by getting the favor of Satan, it would improve their music musicianship. Yes, they, absolutely. They were all in a band together called Hatred, and it was patterned on the death metal band Slayer. The popular band Slayer that I don't know anything about other than I know it they were... It sounds reasonably familiar, but not anything that I've yeah, ever they were to. Like, they were a popular band of the time. Yeah. So Dake, Jacob Delishment was the son of devout Mormon parents. He had a talent for art. He also had a drug problem. He was a known meth user. And that's hence why he met um, meth is bad. Elise in rehab. Meth is bad. Meth is really bad. Don't yeah. do meth. Casey and Fiorella were also troubled teens. And they were also known drug users. They were all considered social outcasts. And this is possibly what fueled their interest in the occult and Satanism. Joseph Fiorella amassed a growing library about the occult and Satanism and basically just studied this because he knew the other two were interested and he was the youngest. So he, he wanted to impress them. Yeah, he wanted to impress them. So he ba basically became their leader because of his superior knowledge, even though he was the youngest. Interesting. Uh, Casey later said that the three had broken into a graveyard once and they circled graves that they eventually intended to rob or dig up. But none of that ever happened. It was just like a thing they did. Um, all three of the boys... That would just be messy and smelly. Well, they didn't actually dig them up. Yeah. They didn't go that far. I mean, they killed a person, but they didn't actually they dig them up. They killed the person. Yeah. They didn't rob graves, yeah. though. So, oh my. But I don't, do they even really comprehend what they were doing? I don't they know. just so like drugged out. I think it was a partially drugs and like the quote unquote, like I'm using quotes, romance of, of doing it, of like what they thought they were accomplishing. Yeah. I don't know. But anyway, they all three eventually admitted to the murder of Elise and their part in it. Uh, Delishment reportedly strangled Elise with his belt Fiorella stabbed her in the neck with a hunting knife while Casey held her hands, and Casey and Delishmit then took turns stabbing her. Ugh. They all three likely also had intercourse with the corpse. Oh my, that's another step. Yeah, Fiorella's mom said that her son told her that Casey had engaged in sex with the corpse. And one of Delishmit's friends testified in trial that Delishment boasted of returning to the corpse to have sex with it. Oh, he went back for more. Yeah. and Oh my grossness. Here's the other part of it too, is all three of them reportedly told at least two acquaintances of the killing, but nobody really believed them at the so, time. Well, yeah. What? I mean, pardon me. Guys like that, you're probably thinking, oh, yeah, you're just talking shit just to make yourself look better. Yeah, to look bold or, like, look yeah. bad. Look like you're tough. And then when this all came out, some of the students at the high school said that they had heard what happened, but A, they didn't believe it, or B, were afraid to tell. Well, did anybody notice that this girl was missing? That they she was did. not they, in class? Yeah, they noticed right away that she was missing. But nobody really thought that these three had anything to do with it. They didn't oh. believe it. So they thought it was just a coincidence that yeah. they're just taking advantage of her being absent to say that they murdered her. Or they were afraid to come forward. Crazy. So then on September 6th, 
or September 16th, 1996, they all three pled guilty to rape and murder. Fiorella was sentenced to 26 years to life. Casey was sentenced to life in prison. He was the 18-year-old. Uh-huh. And Della Schmidt received 25 years to life. I think I remember hearing about this case. Yeah, well, you might have because later in 1996, Elisa's parents, David and Lizanne, sued the band Slayer saying that their sons... that are. David and Lizanne sued the band Slayer, saying that their songs Postmortem and Dead Skin Mask gave the three boys detailed instructions to stalk, rape, torture, and commit necrophilia on their daughter. Well, those are just disgusting names. Yeah, Dead Skin Mask. Ugh. That's really gross. Postmortem's not that gross. Postmortem's not that gross. It's a scientific yeah. um, a surgery. So the suit was, they delayed the suit until 2000, which was after the murder trial concluded. And at that point, the case was thrown out by the judge. Why? He basically said that if you're going to say that music had anything to do with it, you also need to go and look at every library book. Like, uh, where, where, does this, where does this end? Yes, I, I can totally see yeah. that argument. Uh, the Pollers launched a second suit claiming that Slayer knowingly distributed harmful materials to minors... And that suit was also dismissed. So basically, that's all there is to the murder of Elise Poller. She was an 805 blonde, though. She was an 805 blonde. Poor thing. She just wanted to be one of the cool kids. And, and yeah. Sad. Sad. Super, super sad. Well, mine is somebody who wanted to be a cool kid, too. Um, I'm hoping mine is a little more not sad well i mean yours tend to not be as sad as mine (laughs) (laughs) i don't know it still ends i'm kind of stepping on your toes a little bit because this still ends in a murder maybe 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 so i'm doing a story on the ice cream blonde or the hot toddy those were this person's nickname and i just think they're both appropriate because hey blonde 805 Blonde, and Hot Toddy because booze. I mean, I get it. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, um, Thelma Todd, one of the original, the OG blonde bombshells in Hollywood. She was from the silent picture era. She was one of the girls. Do you remember? You may not remember, but if you if you Google Thelma Todd, you'll see the image that you'll know immediately she's in the black dress with the big old shoulder pads do we need to pause no i'm googling her right now okay so she's in the black dress with the big old shoulder pads and the slicked back hair on one side and then the cascade of curls on the other side i'm um, absolutely gorgeous just oh, adorable okay. yeah, adorable yeah, yeah, yeah. girl yeah so she was born on july 29th in 1906 to an irish upholsterer john todd and his canadian wife alice edwards um in Lawrence, Massachusetts. Um, Miss, T- I found a lot of contradictory information on her early life. Um, Thelma originally intended to be a teacher. Um, some sources had her actually finishing normal school and teaching first grade. Some sources had her enrolling in normal school. Um, and then some sources had her being encouraged strongly by her mother to enter beauty pageants and other sources had her doing it to earn extra income because teachers didn't make a lot of money in those days. But regardless, in her late teens, she is enrolled in beauty pageants and she actually did very, very well in beauty pageants. In 1925, she was crowned Miss Massachusetts and here is another, you know, conflicting information some sources have her being discovered by a talent agent in one of her appearances and another has her being discovered in her bid for miss america that she did not win um but regardless she was discovered by a hollywood talent agent and she started making shorts for she moved to la of course you have to you have to started making shorts for hal roach but not like shorts you wear. Not like shorts you wear. No, shorts like little tiny movie clips that are typically done, typically comedy. my first image was her sewing little shorts. <laughs> no, she's not making little shorts. She's way too pretty to be, to be doing that. Pretty girls don't do labor. Um, so she's, um, 
in Hollywood. She's signed by Hal Roach. She's working on Hal Roach, making little shorts for him. And she's eventually then signed by Paramount. She makes her first film at age of at age 21. It is a romantic comedy, which was a it was called Fascinating Youth. It was made in 1926 and was a kickoff movie for a lot. It was a showcase for a lot of the new Paramount um, talent. So Paramount early on was into rom-coms. Yes, pretty much. Well, she was a comedian. She was she built her career basically on being the straight man to slapstick comedies. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, so she's 21, blah, 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 called Fascinating Youth. She acted in many more movies for the rest of the 20s. Um, she's becoming more and more popular. In 1928 and 29 alone, she did over 20 pictures. She's well, busy. That always amazes me when you hear these like old Hollywood stories, like how many films yes. these people were doing. And the funny thing is, is, okay, so Hollywood today, people typically get paid per film, right? In these days, they made a salary, whether they were filming or not. So you could make no movies and make the same amount as someone like this poor girl who's making 20. 10 movies a year. Yeah. Who's working her tushy off. So... Anyway, she's mostly doing slapstick comedy. She's done some drama. She even did some horror. Thelma was one of the very, very, very lucky few who made it, who survived the transition from silence to talkies. Talkies. Yes. Her voice fit her body and her look, and that was rare. Um, in 1931, she starred in... Wait, wait, wait. I just have to stop you for a minute, because when you said their voice fits their body. Yeah. I will never re forget, like, you know, growing up, you would hear Casey Kasem. Yes! So the first time I saw his body, like his you face no and body, oh, I could funny. not believe it. Like it, I was just like, no, that's not him. That's not him. Oh, that's funny. See, I have that thing with some podcasts that I listen to now. I listen to um, Stuff You Missed in History Class, and I've looked at them, and they do not look like their voices. Just, nope, nope, that's not them. I hope we look better than our voices. <laughs> I've seen us, but I've also heard us. So I don't know. I, According to husband, no one is going to listen to our podcast because of my voice. Okay, well. If, if you have a problem with my voice, I apologize. Listen or don't. You know, husband may be right. I don't know. <laughs> But the 47 listens we had on the last podcast prove him wrong. And it's not us. Because <laughs> 47 is a big number. <laughs> anyway, so in 1931, she stars in a movie and soon had a torrid affair with the married director, Ronald West. He figures it later. Okay. I'm so like, don't know him. They ended their affair, and she immediately rushes into the arms of Pat De... De I apologize. I cannot pronounce this. Dicico? Deciso? D-I-C-I-C-C-O. Um, De Chicho? De Chicho, yeah. Obviously Italian-American. Pat he, Italian. He Pat Italian. He ended up introducing her to a wonderful man who she later had an affair with named Lucky Luciano, who will also figure prominently later. Okay, that name I know. Right. So Pat, after um, Thelma's death, eventually goes on to marry Gloria Vanderbilt. Ooh, Gloria. Yes, yes. but so Pat marries um, Thelma in 1932, and soon they are no longer together the marriage lasts two years and she's back with west west is very married he has no intention of leaving his wife nor does he ever leave his wife but they have an on and off career uh, affair for the rest of her life her film career is incredibly imp impressive from 1926 to 1936 she made over 37 films oh yikes yes um she starred with Cary grant in his film debut gary cooper John Barrymore, Buster Keaton, Jimmy Durante, Bing Crosby. Those um, are all the people. Huge names. Um, she was the straight man for the Marx Brothers in Monkey Business in 1931, one of her most famous pictures. I've actually seen that. Have you? Uh -huh. Okay, so she's the Vaughn. 
And Thelma was always, so one of the things that she did to kind of calm herself down and center herself was to cook. She cooked, she was from Massachusetts, so she cooked um, New England seafood and New England longshoreman food. Oh, like yum. down home yeah. food, biscuits, lobster, steak, you know, food. So she's she cooks this food and she's back with Ronald and Ronald is like, you know, I'm kind of tired of the director's life. And she says, I would like something more stable because she had already noticed even by 1934 when they talked about doing this, she'd already noticed that the old blondes were being replaced by the new blondes. And doesn't that, take long. It does really it? doesn't. And that continues throughout Hollywood all the way to Jane Mansfield of the 1960s. It still continues today. It is. I don't think it's necessarily it's not the as blonde like, yeah, anymore. It's not the blonde now. But yeah. But in those days, it was the blonde. I mean, you went all the way from Clara Bow to Jane Mansfield. Just blonde, 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 blonde. Yeah. I mean, they let some brunettes in like later on. So. Yeah. Not a lot. But so she and Ronald had this idea. Let's open a restaurant. So in um, 1934... They opened a restaurant called um, Thelma Todd Sidewalk Cafe. The cafe served basically Long Island Shore dinners. They served French cuisine, um, other fare, all kinds of stuff. But their specialty was the the Long Island Shore dinner. Steak, lobster, Surf and turf and biscuits. Food. Yeah. Probably hugely some clam popular. chowder. Yeah, hugely popular. Everybody loved it. Everybody went there. Um, they were so involved in their new venture, they actually had apartments above the restaurant. So here's the thing. Thelma Todd has her apartment, and Ronald West has his apartment. And then above the hill a little ways is Ronald West's house with his wife. Uh, interesting arrangement. It was a very intriguing <laughs> arrangement. I wonder and, what the wife thought about that. Yes, and, and Thelma Todd's garage where she kept her car, up at the house. Oh, that's yeah. also interesting. I'm yeah. Like, you're like, um, my wife or my husband's business partner. Who, Slash girlfriend. Her, her car's here, <laughs> so I have to open the garage for her this afternoon. Well, you kind of hit the nail on the head. <laughs> so... <laughs> So they've got these apartments and they're running the restaurant and everything's going great. Um, they actually, it's a huge hit. They eventually open a VIP room called Joya's Room where there was fancy schmancy food and a little bit of gambling. Just, you know. Well, just for fun. A little bit of gambling for fun, yeah. So the popularity of the club is growing and it's becoming more of a hot spot. And guess who notices? Uh, Lucky Luciano. Well, yeah, him and his kind, just gangsters. And they want to come in and they want to buy the club, Undesirables. And Todd and Wes both say, no, we're, we're not going to sell. Yeah, they're happy with what they have. They're perfectly happy. They're planning an expansion. Um, in August of 1935, there were even arrests made of a man who, whose name was Harry Schminsky. He was a New York gangster who was arrested for sending extortion notes and trying to extort the restaurant for ten thousand dollars, which was in 1934. A lot. Fuck, of money. lot of money. Yeah. But wait, I'm sorry if I, you said this already. But where was this restaurant located? It was right in the um, like on the shore. It, the building is still there. But you in New see, England or in LA? No, it's in LA. Okay. It's okay. it's on the beach in LA. You okay. can still I looked up and there's still the building is still there. It's a gorgeous building. It's like it wraps around the a cove area and it's just like right on the beach. Like it reminds me of Gladstones, just right there. Okay. I should have paid attention to that. No, right. I like I didn't know if they, I missed it, but I kept thinking like, is this in New England or LA? No. In my research, which was done from, by the way, um, Wikipedia, IMDb, TCM, KCET, Food and Living, the New England Historical Society and Prairie Ghosts actually had the re- the address, but I didn't write it down. Cause, well, I don't, you know, I don't address. know anything about it. I just like wanted to know what coast it was on. No, it's <laughs> on the West Coast. It's definitely on the West Coast. So she... Um, they arrest this guy for blackmailing them and trying to extort money out of them. And so she's like, blah, blah, blah. I'm good. So in 1935, Thelma is still continuing her film career. She's still um, 
working in films and and whatnot. She still wants to continue her film career, but she's just got the restaurant. Her thinking was, eventually I'm going to be not pretty and the restaurant is going to pay for when I'm not pretty. Smart. Yes. So she is starring in Bohemian Girl with Laurel and Hardy. That was her last film. There were three films released after her death, but Bohemian Girl was the last one that she filmed. Um, by December, she'd completed almost all of her scenes. However, sadly, most of her scenes were reshot and her part in the movie was cut down to one musical number. Oh, sad. Yeah, it is sad. She had completely decorated her apartment for Christmas. Underneath her tree were, were presents to be mailed out to all of her friends and family. She was, it, it was not, so there was a rumor that her death was suicide. And I was just going to ask, like, it... no, because of the planning that she was making, the entire reason that she went to this party that she goes to on December 13th, 1935, at the age of 29, which is so sad. The entire reason that she goes to this party is to schmooze with the bigwigs to keep her film like career to, alive. Yeah, yeah, to revitalize what she had. Yeah, she wants to keep to keep working. She's not done. Um, her father had recently died, and her mother had come to live with her, so she's got. She's got responsibilities. She's got things that she has to take care of. So December 15th, 1935, she, she's 29. She goes to a dinner party that was put on in honor of her by a 17-year-old actress named Ida Lapuno and her parents. I'm not really sure why Ida Lapuno and her parents would give a dinner party for Thelma Todd. Maybe, like, only thing I can think of is, like, somehow to advance Ida's career. Yes, because Hollywood Big Shots came. So that very well could be. Um, full of Hollywood bigwigs. Todd is schmoozing away with filmmakers. When she left, because of the whole weird arrangement thing, um, Ronald West says, hey, you better be home by two. And Thelma's response was, I'll be home at 2.05. <laughs> so they had just this weird relationship because you know the wife's upstairs in the apartment but anyway so she goes to this party and she makes a bet with these hollywood bigwigs hey i bet you won't come to my place for dinner tomorrow night so that's her bet that was her bet yes that's weird well these were like big 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 shots but she's an established star. She is. And it's an established restaurant. It was popular. People were going. But so she bet these guys that they wouldn't show up to her restaurant. And then they showed up Sunday night and asked for Thelma Todd. And were told Thelma Todd is not working today. Because she hadn't shown up for work. Odd. That's my, like, curious face. Yes. Like, no, literally, this woman was very involved. There were pictures of her making change for the customers. There were pictures well, of her in the kitchen. that part I completely get, but what I don't get is, like, these... Not showing up. Well, yeah, she didn't show up, but all these men did go, and they all went together. So, like, don't they all kind of have, like, not necessarily an alibi, but, like, we all showed up together... Well, I don't know. I They're not necessarily suspects. Okay. There are plenty of suspects, but they're not necessarily them. So she's, um, she's not found. She's not around. So there's all kinds of theories and interesting things. So home by 205, blah, blah. So after the party, Saturday night, her chauffeur drops her off at the cafe. And she walks up to her apartment. Now, from this point on, it's speculation. We know she was dropped off at the cafe by her chauffeur around 3 o'clock. And then there is where the firmness ends. And then we know that she was not there at the cafe the next day. Correct. So, um, they're speculating that if she... If that was me, I'd still be in bed because three's way too late to get home and show up to work <laughs> the next day. <laughs> right? Um, but see, she has Lucky Luciano supplying her with pills. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. So she gets to her apartment. Uh, the speculation is that she gets to her apartment, realizes that she does not have a key. So she walks to West's apartment and tries to wake him and his wife up. She could not get them up. So she goes into the garage where her personal car is parked and gets in the car. The theory is that she then turned on the 
engine for heat. But she had a key to her car. Okay. Yes, that is one that did not even cross my mind. She had a key to her car, but no key to her apartment. So that didn't even cross my mind or was not written about in any of the things that I found. Or did you not need keys for cars that day? No, you need... Okay. The the key is mentioned. Okay. So the next day, well, Monday morning, she's actually found by the housekeeper. She's found dead in the car in the locked garage in the evening gown that she had on that she wore to the party. All of her jewels are still on her body. Her money is still in her purse. The key in the is in the ignition and it is turned to the on position. Okay. The car is not running and there is gas in the gas tank. That's odd. Incredibly odd. None of it adds up. So, all kinds of speculation. They they kind the you know, of course. Oh, accidental death. Blah blah blah. She was How though? she well. Huh. There's no exterior marks on her body other than a small cut on her lower lip and a gold leaf or something that she had put on her tooth. To get a grill? Kind of. It was like a gold, what did they describe it as? A gold inlay on her tooth was knocked loose. And they speculated that that is what cut her lip. I'll talk about that more in a minute. So it's, she's pretty accidental death, blah, blah, blah. So they're thinking, well, there there had been extortion um, to the restaurant. There were death threats. Maybe she ignored those and this happened. Um, It was determined that she was dead for at least 12 hours, but all of her jewelry was still there. And then it was reported that at 3 a.m. on Sunday morning, West said that his bulldog was barking. I mentioned bulldog because I have one and they're awesome. His bulldog was barking, but he did not get up to investigate what the problem was. Because bulldogs are a-holes. Because they are. And so there was speculation that she was trying to knock on the door. The dog started barking and she didn't want to disturb anybody. So she went to the car. So Saturday night, but then, so she's, she's in her car, in her clothes from Saturday night on Monday morning. There was a Mrs. Ford who said that she received a phone call from Thelma at 4 p.m. on Sunday. 4 p.m.? 4 p.m. on Sunday that said, I will attend your cocktail party. And there was a waiter at a neighboring restaurant who said he saw Thelma drive by in her car with a strange man at 2 p.m. on Sunday. Okay, that one I can discount, but the phone call... Yes. And so now at this point, she's not, she's not found until Monday morning and they've determined that she's been dead for at least 12 hours. So she could technically have done this phone call and this, this riding by in her car and still have been dead for 12 hours. But it doesn't make sense for her to still be in her evening gown. From Saturday. Right. So beside the, they completely rejected suicide because she had been decorating for Christmas. She was caring for her mother who had moved out after her father died. They were planning a big expansion of the restaurant. And she was smooching with all these Hollywood people to try and get more parts. So it did not add up that she would then go into the garage and commit suicide. Well, what doesn't add up to me is that there was gas in the car and that the ignition was still on. Right. Like that part's troubling. Very odd. Very odd. She was killed with carbon monoxide poisoning. But they did determine that she had a... Her injuries to her lip, her tooth, and her throat were consistent with something being forced down her throat. So there was speculation, was there a hose forced down her throat for her to ingest the carbon monoxide? Now, that is oddly similar to an incident that was documented by other people at the party where she was attending a party with her lover, Lucky Luciano, and she declared, I'm no longer going to drink because I want to stay skinny. And Lucky Luciano says, Don't you wish we could do that? Right? (laughs) No, I like drinking too much. But so her, so Lucky Luciano said, no, you're going to keep drinking. And he shoved a champagne bottle forcibly down her throat and made her drink the entire thing. 
I mean, I can see the parallel, but it's not. It's a stretch. That's not convincing to me. It's a stretch. Yeah. It's a big stretch. Um, but that was one of the things that they talked about. So they, obviously they've been having an affair. They met through Thelma's ex-husband. He, there had been all kinds of craziness with him. There's just all sorts of different things that could have gone on. Um, oh, so Lucky was trying to pressure her to let him have the third floor of the restaurant as a casino. And she was saying no. So she was saying no to the New York gang. She was saying no to Lucky Luciano. Um, there was the whole ex-husband situation that they had gotten to fight at the dinner party that she was attending. Then there was the West, the business partner slash lover with the wife and all kinds of crazy things with that. There was just a lot of speculation as to who could have caused this crazy death were it deemed a murder, but it was deemed accidental and never reopened. I don't think the business partner did it though. No, I don't think, because I think he loved her. Yeah, and I think that he had the best, like, it might not have been his ideal situation, but he had an okay situation. Yeah, he's got his wife, he's got his lover, he's got his business partner, and he's making money. Yeah. He can't, they were expanding. He can't really complain. He carried on the business for a little while after her death, but he eventually had to change the name because, you know, Thelma Todd was gone. So why would you go to Thelma Todd's Roadside Cafe if right. there's no it, film it at all. It hurt him ultimately. Yes, it did. It hurt him financially quite a bit. So apparently we need to call Evan and Christine from And That's Why We Drink and have them investigate because at the site of the roadside cafe, which I think is a bed and breakfast now, because what else is not a bed and breakfast? They, there are people who have reported hearing a motor running and noxious exhaust fumes. So, like, there's a paranormal, like, recreation. There's a paranormal recreation of her death. Let's call Zach Baggins. We should call Zach Baggins. But, yeah, so that's Thelma Todd, the OG, one of the OG blondes, who, she was 29 when she died. And I don't think a lot of, like, that's not a story I've ever heard before. But she's had a massive career. Yeah. I mean, you know, 30-whatever films in 10 years... And then she was not, she was like one of the original people who, hey, I have money, let's open a restaurant. That's what everybody does nowadays. Yeah, everybody. Miley Cyrus did it. Miley Cyrus did it. Everybody does it. And she was one of the very first ones at, with, with her own recipes, which is really kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, and plus New England food in L.A. during in that LA time. In L.A. during like, that you time. Couldn't, couldn't get that. Yeah, but so who knows? We'll never really know how she was killed. But it's it's just interesting that all of her jewelry was there, all of her money was there. There was nothing. Well, to me, awry. that makes it even more suspicious. Like pointing towards. I was totally the, lucky, Luciano. Yeah, I was totally exactly. lucky, Luciano. He was thinking that he would just sweep in and take over the restaurant once she died, and I don't know why not or what for. But yeah, that's my theory. That's mine too. But I'm no expert. I am not an expert either. We're just... Smoky drunks. Smoky drunks. Smoky drunks. I would rather just be drunks. Anyway, give to the campfire relief. Give to the campfire relief. Thanks for listening. So what if people like this and they want to talk to us? They can contact us. There's a number of ways. Okay, what? So you can email us at crimeintimeotr at gmail.com. And we also... Would be happy to have your cocktail suggestions. Yes, please send us cocktail ideas. Um, you can talk to us on Facebook at Facebook at Crime and Time on the Rocks. We're on Instagram too. We're at Crime and Time, and Child Number One handles our Instagram it's for adorable. the most part. So. It's adorable. Um, and Twitter, we're at Crime and Time. So tweet at us, or you know, whatever you do. Whatever you do. Thank you for listening. Thank you.